This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Today in Agronomy on KFILAM AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. Today is September 23rd, and this is episode number 41, Josh. So really getting up there in our rankings of our of the number of episodes we have. Yeah, and this is kind of our, our first episode of the year that um, we kind of actually got some more harvest going on, especially from a soybean standpoint and looking at the GDUs and just kind of the the accumulation of heat here down the stretch of September with some early corn. I think um, by next week's show, we'll probably have some early, you know, corn reports too coming out of the field. I expect someone to be out there by this weekend catching some of that early corn. Yeah, because GDU-wise, we're sitting around out of Preston for that April 20th planning date. We're about 2384. So you figure for kind of the middle ground on a lot of our hybrids, the GDUs to black layer would be 2400. So a lot of those products are sitting right there. And as I'm out, out and about in the fields, that, that sticks that sticks pretty true to where we're sitting uh, GDU wise. So I'm going to hold you to it though, that you said someone's going to get started this weekend. So if they oh, yeah, don't, you're I'm, off I'm on your Weather permitting, weather permitting. I got to put that out there just to, just to cover myself there. And uh, yeah, looking at the two week forecast, Ellie, you know, we're still, um, you know, looks like we're, we're kind of scheduled to pick up another 135, 40 here the next two weeks. Um, you know, from a corn maturity standpoint, we're, we're in pretty good shape, but when you get these kind of warm temps with a lot of corn right at black layer or, or a little beyond that, um, really good for dry down. And, you know, days like, um, you know, Monday and Tuesday, you know, wouldn't be surprised if some corn that was black layer, you know, shaved off three quarters of a point or a little bit more. Um, so yeah, just in a great spot. I, I always like to get to black layer by September 20th. And if you get 10 days of September, that's kind of our, our good dry down weather. Cause once we get past October 5th, um, days get short, it gets cold. It's hard to, to dry things down, but um, no, we're in a great spot here on the, the corn crop and bean harvest underway, but um, maybe to kick off, Allie, we've been talking quite a bit about, um, you know, disease off and on throughout the whole summer, and we talked quite a bit about tar spot uh, last winter, kind of through the season, if it was showing up. Um, kind of been quiet on that front, however, really since our last episode a week ago, um, we've been out scouting fields, and it appears as if uh, the rain and the cool weather after Labor Day there really kicked in tar spot across southeast Minnesota. Yeah, and I think if you look at that as we get east of 52, certainly feels that it's a touch more prevalent, but even as we're starting to move west um, into Minnesota, the areas that we're working in, we are, it's a lot easier to find as we're walking into these fields, unfortunately. I think the timing of when it's coming in this growing season, it doesn't feel like it'll be at a level where it's gonna be yield limiting to folks, but you think about if we would have had some of these cool wet conditions a couple weeks earlier, this story could have looked quite a bit different. And, like you mentioned, ourselves and our teams, we've been out keeping an eye on this throughout the growing season. Um, and now that we are seeing it in a, in a greater way, we did want to make sure we're communicating everyone um, with everyone today, just because this is something that's not going to go away once it's here. And it's really important to make sure that we're managing some of this properly as we move into next year's growing season. What's kind of your take overall on some of this? Yeah, uh, a couple things. Um... You know, the first thing it um, where I've ran into tar spot previous crop really doesn't seem to be playing a big role. Uh, some of the worst tar spot fields I've walked are actually corn on soybeans. Um, even though you know survives in the corn residue, it's like I'm sure there's some corn on corn fields that are they're equally as bad. I just maybe haven't walked them specifically yet. Um, but really, previous crop not playing a big role. 
The second part that really caught my eye, and we talked about this through some other episodes, Ali, was just the pace at which this disease can can spread on a plant. And if we think back to early September, where you know maybe is that maybe a one tar spot lesion or two? Yeah, not sure. You know, you fast forward about twelve days, and now there's some plants that have tar spot lesions, top to bottom, that are probably counting in the thousands of lesions. So just thinking about how fast we went from very little infection to a lot of infection, maybe not going to be a huge yield limiting factor this year. However, like you said, great point, if this was two weeks sooner, if that disease would have progressed at this pace, um, it would have been a little bit of a panic and we would have saw some some pretty significant yield losses, maybe upwards of you know 20 to 40 bushel per acre if that would have expanded uh, in the middle of August, first uh, the first part of September. Because just for perspective, and this was a study that came out of from some of our counterparts in Wisconsin, they had some hybrid evaluation studies and they put some numbers to what this yield loss could look like. And they consistently talked about an eight to 14 bushel yield loss per 10% tar spot severity on those, on the ear leaf. Um, so just to kind of give you a gauge for what this, what this can do and how destructive it can be. But I was glad you hit on crop rotation. I've had a lot of questions of now that it's here, what do I do? Um, is crop rotation going to help me? So I think you hit on that well. You know, another one has been how are fungicides going to help me uh, moving down the stretch? Certainly fungicides are going to show some effectiveness in reducing um, some of these tar spot symptoms. However, there is one key thing that we move as kind of our number one in terms of controlling tar spot, and that's going to be hybrid selection. There's going to be a lot of variability in um, hybrid susceptibility to tar spot. So that's something that as you're making your decisions these fall, um, really important to hone in on tar spot wise. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and when we come on a break, we'll, we'll maybe touch on tar spot here a little bit more, and then we'll roll into some early soybean harvest and some considerations from, from that standpoint. Welcome back listeners. Uh, Allie, in the first segment there, we just um, covered some GDUs and some, some early harvest things here quick on corn and uh, kind of dry down stage of the crop. Um, then we touched on tar spot quite a bit. And I think just to kind of wrap up that tar spot um, topic here a little bit, uh, as I've made the rounds and ran into this disease, um, some of our producers maybe um, just hadn't really heard a lot about this disease. I know we talked about it quite a bit, quite a bit in winter meetings, Alley. We've been talking about it, but sometimes maybe until you see it or experience it, it's not something that you really understand you know, how severe this could be. And and um, a lot of growers that maybe didn't know a lot about tar spot, you pointed out, hey, this is something we really got to watch. And you know, maybe as you talk about some of the risks and how um, yield limiting this disease can be and the impact it can have, um, it's kind of eye opening. So as we kind of think about now between next spring, um, you know, one thing I'm telling growers is uh, number one, just to be looking for it. You know, if you see hybrids that are, or fields that have it, um, you know, pretty high severity, you know, logging down the hybrid information, I think is good. You know, just so we can kind of get a, a dialogue to some hybrids show it more than others because we know genetic um, or hybrid selection is a big part of it. Uh, any other considerations you can think of, Allie, as we get through this harvest to, uh, to kind of be looking for and as we prepare for next year for this disease? We talk about looking for it. So as you're in the field, you're not going to be able to wipe off these lesions. So that's a very distinct characteristic. And then even after you've harvested these fields, if you go back and you're looking at some of the residue in those fields, you'll still be able uh, to positively identify tar spot in some of those cases. And I just really wanted to hone on, I guess for me, it's Tar spot is, is a disease that can very rapidly spread once it's here. And so hybrid selection is going to be your primary tool. So like you said, we've been out, we've got our head, you know, wrapping our head around where this disease has spread into Minnesota this year. So reach out to us as you find it in your fields, your seed, our pioneer sales reps to make sure that 
you know, we can position the right products to, to take, not take care of, but hedge yourself more positively as Tarspot continues to progress across the area. Yep. And I think as each season progresses this disease, the month of August is always going to be the critical time for us. And this year, you know, the weather in August wasn't favorable, but uh, that scouting your fields, just poking your nose out there looking for this disease is going to be important because like we've said so many times, the progression of this disease in five to seven to 12 days, um, you know, if you think you see it out there and come back two weeks later, in some cases it could be too late. That's how big of a deal it is. But um, so yeah, good segment there, uh, Allie. Uh, Soybean harvest, uh, early Soybean harvest underway. In most cases, we're seeing the early maturity beans that were planted early, uh, ready to go. However, with the weather, we're progressing right into mid-group ones already. And I expect by maybe the first of next week, well, even the group twos, I think everything will be ready. Um, any early take on the soybean observations, uh, Allie? You know, yields coming in maybe as expected, underperforming, overperforming. What's kind of the general vibe out there? I think actually yields um, kind of west of 52 that I cover, I am pleasantly surprised. So yields are maybe a tick better than I had originally thought they might be across the area. So that's really nice to see. Uh, very positive in terms of the early beans. And like you said, we have moved into even some of those, some of those mid-group ones. This wind, especially this week, I think is continuing to progress things along. Um, but I know you and I, we had several conversations um, as we came down the stretch this growing season of you know, what was maybe going to hold a little more yield? Some of these early planted, early maturity beans were some of our later maturity uh, beans going to hold on a little bit better. But, you know, we'll see as we get into some of those later ones. But so far, I, I would say I'm pleasantly surprised. How about your take as you get east of 52? Yeah, I would say similar. Um, there's been some very, very good yields. There's still some variability out there, uh, whether it be from some agronomic challenges or I think some moisture variability still kicking in. Um, will be interesting as we continue to climb up the maturity ladder of beans. Uh, some of these early beans have put up some really good numbers where um, as we get to, you know, late group one or early group two, um, you know, going to have to yield very well to, to keep pace with these early ones. And that's, that, that'll just be interesting. Can we see a maturity yield increase? Is it going to be kind of a flat line? Could there be a dip in the yield there? That's probably still to be seen, but uh, I would say overall maybe exceeding expectations a little bit just based on the dry weather we had uh, down the stretch. And, and the other thing as we do get into soybean harvest is um, it is crazy how closely these beans are maturing, even from a, like a 0.9 to a 2.1. It's only going to probably be, you know, maybe what, 10 day gap between they're both ready. But uh, I always say too, with soybean yields, we got good weather. We just got to stay after them. Ideally, once those beans get, uh, you know, harvest moisture, let's just say, you know, 12, 13%, we'd like to get them the first time to get there so we don't go through a rain cycle. In most cases, every time we go through a rain cycle and a, a bean swells and contracts back, we just tend to use, lose yield in those fields. So, you know, staying on top of it, but I think in some cases it's going to be a, a challenge for how quickly things are maturing. I think by next week, we're just going to have to just keep, keep moving through it as fast as we can. And, uh, but overall, yeah, early results are good. And, um, yeah, now it's just uh, hopefully that trend continues throughout the, the region. And I think one more thing just on the early bean side of things as we maybe come into the end of the show today. Um, a lot of questions as I talked to folks early that about some of these early maturity beans coming off. What are some of the reasons that would make a person look at implementing you know, early beans planted early across their operation? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is just looking at the calendar and when we're, we started harvesting them. Um, you know, I don't know what the first day we started beans was, Allie, but it might have been around the 16th, 17th of September, give or take a day or two there. Um, you know, the big reason for me is as we've had some challenging falls is what can we do to spread out, you know, the workload? How can we add more harvest days to the fall? 
And uh, that's one of the biggest driving factors of just getting those beans out before the weather turns and then just really shift and focus the corn. And the other side, we're seeing good yields from. I mean, if we can start this early with these kind of yields, um, also some agronomic uh, implications where if we can, you know, maybe manage some mite wool with early beans planted early, uh, there's a lot of advantages there, but uh, um, a lot of good things. And um, yeah, hopefully the weather stays good, Allie. And, and uh, next week we can talk about a whole bunch more harvest information, hopefully talk about some really corn yields as well. And uh, be sure to tune in then. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner. Submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060. We'll see you at 11 a.m. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.